Tune in. Tone up. Your one-stop shop for guitar tricks, tips, techniques and advice. With me, Gary Shilliday, and my own excellent teacher, Dan Davis. second part of lesson 13 Dan and I discussed my question of how to practice without a guitar and the rationale behind doing so. In this way you can turn time away from your guitar into a positive thing which can inform, develop and improve your playing by visualisation through your studies. bit of an injury with my elbow and so at the moment I'm having to practice a, a bit away from the guitar maybe do a bit of reading and stuff like mm-hmm. that and so any advice on how to cope with injuries would be most welcome when I think of the way people practice I'm, I'm often surprised by the amount of people who approach me and have an issue with practicing the amount of people who are clearly having an issue with sort of moving the game on moving things forward and also the kinds of things they practice or what they tend to do. If I had a quid for every time I've said to people, I bet you get on the guitar and you leap straight towards the thing that you you enjoy playing and you don't do any of the other stuff. And if I had a quid for every time the answer came back, yeah, that's exactly what I do. I probably wouldn't be sitting here now. <laughs> a very rich man in a very big mansion. Human nature plays a massive part in how we learn things. As Jack D once humorously said, there are two types of children. The one that looks at the sum on the piece of paper and goes two plus two equals four <laughs> and the kind of child that eats the paper. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That pretty much sums it up. Practicing with a bit of thought and intelligence versus... <laughs> oh, I'll play what I've always If we want to kind of move things on, we need to apply a little bit of intelligence to, to the way we do it and recognise our own failings. If you think you're brilliant, you're probably not going to move on. Yeah. You've got to be your own worst critic and you've, you've got to be tough on yourself if you're going to move forward. Now, how this all ties into the questions that you've asked is that one thing that I come up against with people time and time again is that to practice the guitar, you must have a guitar in your hands. Now, I would agree that if you're actually physically wanting to nail things on the guitar, if you want to nail bending or you want to nail some interesting chord voicings and things like that, or you want to practice something technical some technical skill or learn to improvise you know you need probably ideally a guitar in your hand and you need to be working with the backing track or working with other musicians if it's improvisation you maybe you need to be getting out there and trying out some jam sessions and open mic nights and playing with different people and really stretching yourself out maybe beyond what you think your abilities will take to kind of make those things move along but there's a bigger picture here than just guitar Guitar is our chosen voice. Guitar is our chosen instrument. 
this is the thing we have chosen to play for whatever reason it resonates with us in a way that other instruments just don't or maybe it's the thing that our parents and family had lying around when we were younger Mm. maybe it was the only instrument maybe we gravitated towards it alan holdsworth who's just died on a terrible loss to the guitar community such an amazing musician he said in interview that the one reason he went towards guitar was because he couldn't afford a saxophone. And, you know, so he wanted that deep, jazzy, bluesy sound always. Yeah, you listen yeah. to his guitar tone and it's, it's almost kind of woodwind-like. It's got almost like a sort of saxophone stroke clarinet kind of sort of honkiness to it. Yeah. That's what drove him to make that decision and he ended up being one of one of the world's most influential and incredible guitar players that we we've ever seen we'll never see anybody like that again i don't think ever Mm. so lots of reasons maybe drive our choices but but for the most part for us to settle on an instrument that's because we we like the sounds it produces we like the tonality there's something about it that resonates deep inside us that just makes us want to play the thing yeah. When we're practicing, while that's our chosen instrument, that's our vehicle, at the end of the day, there is the whole music factor, which isn't just related to our instrument. It's related to everybody who's in music. It's related to everything we write. It's related to everything we play. And that's things like your scales, your arpeggios, the language of music, understanding it. Now, Sorry, it's a long, convoluted story here, but getting back to the plot, often I've said to people, do you write things down and then take those things to the guitar? And they say no. Now, as lovely as the guitar is, love it to bits myself, of course. The guitar in itself, when we go to practice, when we're trying to nail some of these musical things, can be as much a distraction and hindrance as it can be a help. Yes, because yeah, that makes sense. You want to focus on understanding the maths and mechanics of music. Once you put a guitar in your hands, I don't know about you, I just want to rock the ass off the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't want to pick up a pen and go, oh, that means that, then that scales a C minor. Uh. You know, I, yeah. I, I, I want to play. And so thinking of human nature, sometimes some things are better off taken away and then reapplied. Now, I found what was very helpful for me when I was growing up and trying to get my head around music was writing the notes out. Because all you need is C major. Once you've got C major, actually, you can figure the rest out. So I used to write these... I used to get a notepad or an A4 pad, and I'd write a kind of a grid out. Sounds really anal, but it won't take you long. And actually... Once you start applying it to guitar, you'll find that for 45 minutes spent at a notepad, you've probably got years and years and years worth of practicing to do. So I'd get like a C major scale, and I'd write the notes down the left-hand column. C, D, E, F, G, A, B, C. And then I would write the next set of notes for the next scale. So if I'm playing a C sharp, my first note must be C sharp rather than C. If my next note in C major is D, in a C sharp scale, it must be D sharp, and so on. Yeah. And so I would come up with all the major scales, all of the notes within them. Now, once you've done that, you can kind of see how the notes are. You start to remember things when you write them, usually. See some patterns. 
See, see some sort of, uh, I suppose, patterns in the notes. You'll start to remember what notes are in scales. Yeah. Now, if you then want to understand the next thing along, I guess what you could do is look at minor scales. Now, if you're wondering what constitutes a minor scale, every major scale has a relative minor, and it's the sixth note in line. So in a C major scale, C, D, E, F, G, A, the sixth note brings us to A. If you play all of the notes in the C major scale, it's like running up the alphabet from A, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. That's the notes from A minor. Every scale has it. So the relative minor to C sharp minor will be a B flat minor or A sharp minor, depending on how you want to look at it. So you've got all of your minors. If you want to find out the major modes, take a C major scale, start it on the next step up, the next step up, the next step up, every time till you get to the end. So you yep. start with your C major, which then you've got the next one, which is D. Carry on up the C scale, D, E, F, G, A, B, C, D. This yep. will give you all of the modes in C. But to really hear the difference, you need to start them all on C. So your next thing that you can do, and all you all of this you can do well away from the guitar, you can probably spend a week doing this, is you, you go, right, well, okay, I'm going to look at my C major scale, Ionian mode, and the next one, D. Dorian, Phrygian, Lydian, Mixolydian, and so forth. And I'm going to look at the intervals. Yeah. The intervallic leaps. Now make it so that they all start on C. So it'd be like C, D, E flat. Uh, Right, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. And going on. You'll then see that they all pertain to already existing major scales. So C Ionian is C major. C Dorian will be B flat. So it'd be the B flat. But starting on C. Yeah. Phrygian would be A flat, starting on C, and so on. But you can discern all this for yourself. Yeah, and that's the value of it, is to do that, yeah. Now, what you can then do, and you can do this, you know, one thing at a time, you can do it one scale at a time, you then need to take it to the guitar. One of the best pieces of advice I ever had from my guitar tutor I had in my teens was he said, you want to move your fingers, but you don't know where to move them to. Go and learn C major everywhere. He didn't write me out a pattern. He didn't write me out scale shapes. The internet wasn't even properly up and running and invented then, so I couldn't lean on that. I just had to find all of the natural notes on the neck. Yeah. No patterns, nothing. Just go find. Now, once you know those, it's quite a helpful exercise. You can then refer back to your notes that you drew up, to where the C sharp scale is, where the D scale is, where the E flat scale is, the E scale, and then start putting that on the fretboard. Yeah. Look at a C major position. Now shunt it up a fret. And also don't learn scales from C to C or from D to D or E to E. Learn scales from the lowest position you can on the fretboard to the highest. Otherwise, you end up with areas of the neck which are untapped. Yeah, okay. Now, and that's kind of the danger of learning those caged patterns, I guess. It's kind of like, you know, you, you've got a child, haven't you? Yes. You've been yeah. through that level of pain. <laughs> now my Going third one, it. so I'm obviously <laughs> in absolute agony. <laughs> agony treble. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. You know, when you've, got, when you've got a child and they reach sort of one, one and a half or whatever, and you go and buy them their first Lego set, you don't buy them like the toughest... 4,000-piece technical Lego set. Oh, I bought you a present. Yeah, 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 yeah. You buy them a simple Duplo set, and then they work up to the other stuff as they get older and they get more into it if they get into it. So they kind of start at one place and kind of move the game on. So with all of this, you know, you can do the same. You can start with some 
kind of simpler things like the major scale and the minor scale and then you can move the game on so if you want to look at modes that i guess would be a good thing to do you can even start by looking at minor and major pentatonic scales but once you write things down when you write things down they tend to go in your mind and you tend to remember them whereas Mm. If you just pick up things along the way, unless you practice them mercilessly, and you're going to have to practice all this stuff mercilessly anyway, then when you get these wide gaping holes in your learning where you forgot what the teacher told you. So writing it down for yourself, it's like reaffirming it. You know, Can you imagine if the, if the police were about to do someone for a murder charge, and they said, oh, don't, don't worry, we won't take a recording, we won't take a statement, it's all in here. <laughs> it's all yeah. right it's all, the judge will be fine 24 years 24 and a half it's all good it's all in here death penalty don't worry about it. You, you, yeah. you, you would never accept that that's it you need a bit more meticulous approach yes you know yeah. having some kind of strategy there to kind of learning this stuff is a good idea yeah I've done a bit of that in the past and I haven't done it for a while Re- reinvigorated my feeling of doing that now I've got this kind of injury but I've always found when I've done that a little bit as well you, there's times away from the pad even that you then start visualising the guitar don't you and that's quite good too well yeah I mean there's lying a, in bed just thinking about it I've got a kind of a, a slightly kind of cool sweet stroke sweet story to tell you I can't I can't remember who said it but it might have been one of my pupils or people I knew but when Guthrie Govan used to come down to BIM and he would catch the train downs come down from Chelmsford probably for a couple of nights and then teaching at BIM down in Brighton I had I think a pupil who saw him on the train and when he was on the train no guitar obviously probably in a gig bag or something or he's going to use one at the school he was sitting there with a manuscript a piece of manuscript paper writing music so this is obviously music ideas that are in his head that he's now writing onto a piece of paper he's writing them on manuscript paper now to do that you've got to be able to hear it he wasn't copying it from anything else he was he had had some ideas he was jotting them down or had something to write out he might have even been, even been prepping mm. sort of mentally prepping for a class or something but it just goes to show you know if if one of the britain's you know forerunners of the electric guitar who kind of is in that position that he's in as as, as being probably one of the, the most employable guitarists in the UK can sit there without a guitar and essentially still get involved with music, then you know that you can there's, too. Yeah, there's no time to stop. Yeah, that's no. it. No. I mean, I, I do find if I'm writing out licks for people and I'm tabbing stuff out, although some things do require a guitar, a lot of the times if it's licks and things, you can kind of hear it in your head. And yeah. also it's good to be able to get into a, some sort of form of writing. And with the scales and things, it's, a, it's about kind of sorting it out in your mind first if you were going camping unless you're an idiot you wouldn't just open the boot of your car and go boom, chuck it in there yeah you sort it into bags and you sort it into the things that you need first the things that you need last the things that you'll need on your journey and that's the way you'd pack it yeah if you apply apply the same sort of logic to learning scales and things you will soon find you whiz through them a whole bunch quicker and you won't be deterred as easily to veer to the left or right when you pick up a guitar and do something which isn't going to help you. Yeah, play and sing or whatever. Or yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. good. Yeah, that's really good yeah, advice. Forty verses of my old man's dustman is not going to teach you C major everywhere. No, that's good. <laughs> no, that's really good advice actually. No, I'm definitely going to be uh, looking into that over the next few weeks. It can be interesting Months, sometimes. Maybe. I find even sit, sitting there with a piece of tab paper, and if you can visualise 
mentally the way something's going to sound and try tabbing that out. Now, it's quite an interesting proposition because mm. if you can hear the music in your head and you can imagine where it would be on the fretboard and you can tab that out, your guitar can be a barrier. A barrier in as much as you're tied to your patterns, you're tied to your technique and ability, tied to what you can and can't do. And we also, we all fall in the same old patterns and it takes a while to break us out of that. So your mind doesn't have those limitations. Mm. Your mind can dream any music it wants to dream. If you can hear it, there is that phrase, if you can hum it, you can play it. You can, but it may not always fall under your fingers like it would otherwise do. But if you can visualise what, what you, way you want something to sound, try writing it down and then try playing it rather than getting on the guitar and playing the same old crap that you always played. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. So, I'll do that. tennis elbow. I guess you weren't playing tennis. <sighs> no, it's either it's either working on the computer or or my fretting hand. I actually think it's probably more likely to be writing all the time on the computer. More than likely, yeah. yeah. I think it's likely to be. And it's quite a painful feeling where the elbow's really... You can feel like where the tendons go into the arm at the top and if you if you sort of just gently rub it it feels like it's tearing a bit and it's and then and then the elbow feels quite solid and if you accidentally bang it on something even gentle like a the candy bed, floss yeah candy <laughs> floss feels like you've like knocked into some iron or something so yeah it's quite painful um and yeah i've got to be a bit careful about how, how i use that arm i think for a while Last about a year or a year and a half from what I've looked into. God. Yeah. It's a long old time. So I've bought a few braces and things to put on it when I do play guitar. Just wait for them to come through. I mean, things you can experiment with. I mean, you, obviously your doctor's advice must come first. Yeah. Yeah, unless he says don't play the guitar. Yeah, that's why I'm not going to see the doctor. We've got Google. You're a naughty boy. Yeah, um, the doctor would blatantly say that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very difficult if you're a working musician. You know, I work with yeah. a, a guy in a band and he's he's had to kind of like spend a couple of months off because he's just had his back operated on but a couple of years ago. He had a problem with his hand. And um, the doctor sort of said, oh, well, you should stop, stop working and stop playing. And he said, oh, I can't. Yeah, you know, playing is part of my work. My yeah, other job is pretty hands-on. <laughs> what yeah, do I do? It's different for me, isn't it, I suppose? You might find, I mean, usually if you work for a company or work for, a, as you do, a school or something, they, they often do an occupational health review. And that's, you know, if any of you are having guitar playing problems, folks, due to health-related things, it's worth knowing about this rather than suffering, suffering in silence. I had my carpal tunnel problems for a long time and I insisted on a ergonomic keyboard which yeah. kind of is shaped in the way that your hands are, so it's curved. And I actually can't really type very well on anything else because a normal keyboard forces your hands into a straight position, whereas your hands aren't really like that. Yeah. They kind of sort of meet each other at a 90-degree angle almost. And so for years and years, I used an ergonomic keyboard at work, which really helped. I, mean, I knew an awful lot of people who use specially designed uh, sort of mouses and things like that, which that can be also worth looking into. From a guitar playing point of view, it's good to identify the playing that causes your problems, I think. Yeah, okay. I always found when I, I was suffering with the, with the carpal tunnel problems that playing a gig was less of a problem because the playing skills were quite evenly spread. So a solo might be a 10 or 15 second blast. You might be playing chords, but some of them will be full chords, some of them being double stops. So then you'd have some riffs. It was quite an even balance of 
things that were required, some more intense than others. Whereas when I practiced, I practiced intense things and that's what caused me the problems. Identifying what causes you the issue. You may think that lead playing is less invasive over chord playing, but you may find the sort of chord playing that requires bars and might sort of be just as problematic. Yeah. You have to sort of make that decision. It might be holding the elbow in a position as well and just more breaks and things like that would make more sense. Possibly also try the the guitar on different sort of strap heights as well. You may find if it's high, maybe that kink in the elbow that you're more likely to put in there is causing you problems or if it's too low that the reach is an issue. There's things you can try. Unfortunately, with most injuries, you know, especially if they are music-related, guitar-related injuries, if you carry on doing the thing that's been hurting you in the first place, you're going to carry on getting the same negative result till the thing sort of actually heals or you're going to really, really prolong the healing process, which you don't want to do. Yeah, that's it. I guess uh, I haven't been playing for a couple of weeks, well, a week and a half, really, and it's got a bit better so we'll find out how it is after today <laughs> and just experiment with it a bit and take big breaks and stuff like that how much would you say you normally play uh normally about an hour to a couple of hours a day but sometimes with big stints probably around there some, I mean, some big bigger stints where i might be jamming with some friends mm-hmm. for four or five hours or down on the beach or whatever and that, I mean, it depends on how how things work for you. If it's the case that every time you pick up the guitar that the injury flares up, that's kind of difficult. Yeah, that will tell me something. You know, if if you're finding that five minutes on the guitar is is pretty much as bad as three and a half hours, then that's pretty pretty tricky. I do remember years ago asking a a vocal coach who'd helped me out. I said, if you were to do a gig and your voice was kind of knackered, you had issues, what do you think's better? I said, do you think you should try and do some vocal warm-ups, do some exercises, try and sort of almost sing through it, or would you hold back until the gig? And her advice is, I would hold back until the gig. Now, if it is the case that, you know, you've got sort of severe situation with it, the more it's in the early stages of healing, that might be wise advice, is, is sort of play what you have to when you have to. But if you're going to jam with friends or something, maybe have a a day or so's rest beforehand when you just Mm. make an an effort not to play, annoying though it is, because you're sort of saving it up for the fact that, well, tomorrow night I'll be playing for two and a half hours. And spend my time on your previous bit of advice doing some mental kind of work. You can do some of that. Really good advice, yeah. It's quite low stress sort of on your hands when you kind of go to work it out because you're not going to be whizzing around or or bending and things you're, you're just trying to kind of figure out some scale shapes on the guitar and take what you've done on paper and move it onto the actual instrument itself yeah it's all good good plans yeah, yeah thank you that's all right give those things a try thank you very much dan stay tuned for more episodes jams improvisation ideas and well-informed thoughts about amps pedals and guitar gear If you enjoy this podcast, then leave us a review on iTunes, find us on SoundCloud, or see our website at tuneintoneup.com. Here you'll find show notes, tabs, and other resources. I hope you're finding these lessons as interesting and useful as I do, and if you have any suggestions, we'd love to hear them. (laughs) 